welcome to the show. I'm Chris Oldcorn. We now have our fifth Algoma resident who tests positive for COVID-19. It's our first young person to test positive. He is in his 20s and he just came back from a vacation in Mexico. He returned on March the 18th. He developed symptoms a couple days later. A couple days after that, he went to his family health team on March 23rd and was tested for COVID-19. Now, one good thing about this individual is he respected the 14-day quarantine request. So his exposure to the public was minimal. However, Algoma Public Health would like to issue the following statement. On March 18th, 2020, there was a plane from Cancun, Mexico to Kitchener to Sudbury. It was Sunwing Airlines. The flight was WG192. That's WG192 Sunwing Airlines into Sudbury. If you were in rows one to five or the flight crew, you were in close contact with this individual and you should contact your local public health unit, whether it's Algoma or elsewhere. Now, yesterday I talked about a nursing home in Bob Cajun that had 34 staff members who were exhibiting COVID-19 symptoms, as well as nine deaths from residents. Well, I looked into more about how COVID-19 can spread through nursing homes, and I came across a few articles in the States talking about it. And in the U.S., they actually have over 400 nursing homes with COVID-19 outbreaks. COVID-19 outbreak being three or more patients are COVID-19 positive. Now, we, I talked about this a while ago on my show. Uh, I said there was three different things where COVID-19 would just spread like wildfire. One was jails, one was homeless shelters, and the other was nursing homes. Jails and homeless shelters because people are in close proximity to each other, and nursing homes because you're dealing with people who are all in the prime demographic of getting COVID-19 uh, in the most serious way, where they would have complications, they would have to go in the hospital, and so on. And just in one nursing home in Maryland, they have 60 cases uh, in a nursing home that has less than 300 patients. There's a lot of confusion around COVID-19 and if you can catch it multiple times or once you have it, are you then immune? Right now, what we do know is that people who catch it do have some sort of short-term immunity against the virus. However, that does not mean that over the long term or even the medium term that you will have immunity to COVID-19. Now, you've probably seen this guy all over the news, but it's Dr. Fauci, who is the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He's confident in saying that people who are exposed to COVID-19, even a mild case, develop the antibodies to fight against it and be immune to it for a short period of time. What we don't know is whether or not that immunity will last for more than a year or two years. And if, for example, you get exposed to COVID-19 10 years from now, will you still be immune? Now, there's two factors for immunity uh, to a virus. The first is how the virus mutates. There's two different types of viruses. There's DNA viruses, uh, which do not mutate or they only mutate slightly. And then there's RNA viruses. Now, all of the coronaviruses are RNA viruses. So that's MERS, SARS, COVID-19. And what happens is they can mutate over time. So you could be exposed to COVID-19 today. However, you could be exposed again to COVID-19 10 years from now and its makeup is actually different than it was today, and you do not have the antibodies in your system to fight back against it. And it also depends on another factor, and that is the antibodies. It depends on the quality of the antibody in your system. 
If you have high quality antibodies where you've been exposed to COVID-19, you've developed those antibodies and they're strong enough to fight back, then you could have immunity from COVID-19. However, we only know that that works in the short term. We will have to do more testing to see if people will still be immune in the medium and long term for COVID-19. And we'll be right back. Hello and welcome back. In the past few weeks, I've talked about prisons, homeless shelters, and nursing homes being breeding grounds for COVID-19. We're starting to see a few cases in Canada in the prison system. However, we can look south of the border to see what can actually happen in the prison system as they're having outbreaks all over the U.S. Social distancing in prisons is almost impossible. As a matter of fact, most prison cells have at least two people in them. The only prison cells that don't are the ones in solitary confinement. Now, there's been hundreds of COVID-19 diagnoses in both local, state, and federal prisons across the U.S. For example, let's look at Cook County Jail in Chicago. Last week, it had two diagnoses. Now, by Sunday, one week later, it had 101 inmates and a dozen employees testing positive for COVID-19. Rikers Jail, if you ever watch Law & Order, you always hear about them saying, oh, we're going to send them over to Rikers. Well, Rikers has 139 confirmed cases of COVID-19. The Michigan prison system has 77 positive cases and at least 138 inmates and employees in the, in the uh, federal prison system in Louisiana alone have COVID-19. Now, America is a little different than Canada. They have a huge population uh, in their jail system. It's the largest in the world, actually. Uh, and they put a lot more people in jail as a percentage of the population than we do here in Canada. So they're looking at ways to how do they minimize the spread of COVID-19 in the jails? Well, they're starting to release people early. Uh, people have served most of their sentence time. And we need to start looking at something like that here in Canada. Our jails are not as crowded as the American jails. Quite often in the States, you actually get out early because there's someone else that needs the jail cell who was recently uh, sentenced. Uh, we need to look at something similar here in Canada so that we can prevent an outbreak in our jail system because it's not only the prisoners who are in danger, but also the employees. For example, in the jails, you are not allowed to use hand sanitizer because it's at least 70% alcohol and they don't want the inmates drinking it. So they don't sanitize their hands with hand sanitizer. They still have soap and water. However, they can't social distance enough and they also can't use hand sanitizer either. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back. For our next story, we're going to look at what are credit cards doing here in Canada to help Canadians during this difficult time. Right now, we have seen unemployment increase from 5.6% in February to 13.5% in March. The U.S. Federal Reserve expects unemployment to hit as high as 30% in the United States, and that will have a spillover effect into Canada. Make no mistake that we are in a recession and possibly heading to a depression. However, credit card companies in Canada have done nothing to help Canadians so far. Most of them have interest rates charging between 20 and 30 percent. 
and they are not giving any sort of relief during that time period and they have not said, oh, you can skip a payment or anything like that. As a matter of fact, if you go to MasterCard's website, you can still get a discount on Cirque du Soleil tickets. Unfortunately, Cirque du Soleil is shut down. None of the major credit card companies on their homepage have anything to do with any advisement with regards to what's going on with the coronavirus and the, how it's affecting the economy. The federal NDP are asking the credit card companies to stop, to stop charging interest immediately and hold a moratorium on payments until the coronavirus has passed and people are able to start working again. Many people are actually right now using their credit cards to pay their daily expenses and then paying 20 to 30% interest on that because they're no longer working. Now, what are some things that the credit card companies could do if they wanted to? Well, first, they could cut the interest rates to zero for a couple months. Uh, second, they could stop their debt collection. So people who are delinquent and are, haven't been paying their bills for the credit card each month, even the minimum payment, they could stop their debt collection of trying to get money out of that person because obviously they're already in a bad financial state and the COVID virus pandemic is not helping them out at all. Also, they could eliminate the merchant processing fees. So the companies that are still operating would not have to pay that sort of two to 3% off of every single transaction that they make on their machines to either Visa or MasterCard. Because what happens is every time you make a purchase using a machine, which right now a lot of businesses are saying, please don't use cash, we want you to use your debit card or your credit card and use the tap. So we're minimizing the spread of the virus. Well, merchants are being penalized for that because they're now, instead of accepting cash for some of their payments, they're accepting credit cards with a merchant fee, which means they're losing a couple percentage points off of every single purchase you make. We'll be right back in a sec. Hello and welcome back. First, we're going to look at the Algoma numbers and what we know. We know we now have a fifth case of COVID-19 here in Algoma. However, we now have tested 356 people, and of those 356, we're waiting for 156 test results. Hopefully, we will be able to know the results of those over the next few days, and that people are getting tested now. We'll find out their results as well. I'd like to give kudos to the Minister of Health, Christine Elliott. She has stepped up the testing to get to the point where she wanted 5,000 tests a day, and they're now getting those 5,000 tests in, which means they can test everyone, plus start working on the backlog so that they are able to get much, much faster results. Now, another problem we have is homeless shelters. Homeless shelters are not equipped to keep people six feet apart at all times. They're not equipped to be the most sanitary of places. It's hard to keep everyone clean and disinfecting their hands and washing their hands all the time and at least showering once a day. So it's become an issue. So the question is, where do we put homeless people to separate them so that they're far enough in terms of social distancing from other people? The solution has been hotels. The travel industry is basically done right now. There's no airlines. There's basically no hotels. It's, it's basically a closed shop. So we can use hotels to put homeless people in for the time being. This would separate them and give them the social distancing that they need. Now, California was the first uh, place to start using hotels for their homeless. Uh, the UK has now also followed suit. Uh, so they are now using uh, 
hotels to shelter the homeless. Uh, and we're starting to see that here in Canada. Now, the mayor of Calgary, he said he was going to put homeless people into hotels. However, it didn't go through council because they didn't want to spend the money. Well, that's going to probably come back and bite them. However, in Ontario, we do have some cities that are using their hotels to shelter the homeless. Those are Hamilton, Barrie, Aurelia, Peterborough, and Guelph. Now, some city managers are saying that they need to actually take the shelters and almost completely shut them down and then move everybody into a hotel. That, may, that way they're separated into individual rooms and it's much easier not only to social distance but for people to stay clean as well. Now, this is what American researchers have found uh, about how the homeless uh, will be affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. First, homeless people infected with COVID-19 will be twice as likely to be hospitalized as, a non, as, part of, as opposed to the non-homeless population. They will be two to four times as likely to require critical care, and they will be two to three times as likely to die. Reason being is, in the homeless population, there's a much higher prevalence of various medical issues, uh, which makes you more susceptible to developing a serious case of COVID-19 and also to uh, have more complications if you do catch it. Now, Toronto's expecting to have 800 to 1,200 homeless people testing positive for COVID-19, and they're preparing for that. However, Toronto also is only social distancing beds two and a half feet apart in their shelters. That's not anywhere near the six feet of social distancing that we're supposed to have. Now, the public is being told to stay home and physically distance themselves. Well, that's easy to do if you have an apartment or a house. If you're homeless, you don't have anywhere to go to do that social distancing. Hopefully more cities across Canada will develop uh, protocols where they are putting people into hotels and utilizing that resource so that we don't have a massive outbreak amongst our homeless population of COVID-19. I'm Chris Oldcorn. Thank you for watching the show. Please feel free to follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Chris Oldcorn. Also, you can listen to our podcast on Spotify. We will be back here tomorrow. Have a great evening. Good night.